Yeah, it's so wonderful to be here with all of you this morning. Uh, we realize, and I talk about this a lot this time of year, Ottawa is a very transient city. It's a time of year when people come and people go, when we kind of say goodbye to people who've been here for a while, and then we say welcome to people who are new. And so we really hope that if you're in that category of new, I pray that you would just really be blessed as you're discerning and kind of (laughs) seeking God in where he's going to plant you in this next season of your life. And we really hope that uh, we as a church can come alongside you in that season. Uh, Just a few quick announcements before I jump into today's message. As I said at the beginning of the service, today is our play day. So we're going to play. And and if you came to it's like, no, this is church. It's not supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be boring. Okay, and that's the way I was raised and why I walked away from church for 25 years. Okay, but today is our play day. It's our end of summer barbecue. So right after the service today, don't go home. Did you get that? Don't go home, okay? There's a barbecue happening right outside those doors. We have a volleyball tournament that's happening over on the beach volleyball courts right behind the hockey arena. So I still need team members, and I need people who are good. (laughs) Because I'm not. So I need people who are good and people who have lots of grace, because you're going to be mad at me, okay? So come and play. We're going to have a good time. And this has been a way that we've been supporting a ministry that we're a part of called Safe Families, which is just an amazing ministry that just comes alongside families in crisis to try to prevent kids from going into the government care system. We want to try to come alongside families in need before they get that desperate. And so how we can be a blessing as the body of Christ there. So come on. It's going to be great. And if you want to make a donation to that ministry, there'll be QR codes out there you can scan. We've already raised about $1,000 for that ministry. So thank you so much for your generosity. I really, really appreciate it. Um, And like I said, also at the beginning of the service, this is also a time of year in our ministry where a lot is happening. Uh, Kid Zone starts up again in a couple of weeks. Fusion starts up again in a couple of weeks. Life groups start up again in a couple of weeks. So if you do not get the weekly update email, I really want to encourage you to make sure that you sign up for that. You can sign up for it. Either take the connection card that's in the chair in front of you. Make sure you put your email address nice and legibly so I can actually read it. And you need to tick off that little box saying, I want the email. Because I'm a big believer in, you know, being a a good steward of the whole anti-spam laws. And I don't want anyone coming after me saying I've spammed you. Okay, so tick that little box there, okay? Another way to stay up to date and connected with us is through the Church Center app. Go to your app store, just search for Church Center, spelt the American way, not the Canadian way. And then you can sign up and you can sign up for life groups and for everything else that's going on. So please make sure that you do that. Um, next Sunday is going to be a little bit different. I'm going to do, um, uh, which I like to do from time to time. I'm kind of doing kind of a vision talk next, next week. Uh, we've been in a season for the past several months that we've been calling to regroup and refocus and relaunch. I mean, a lot of things in the world has changed over the last several years. In fact, so many things have changed. I mean, there's stuff that we're talking about as a culture today that five years ago, I would never even dreamed of that would be a part of the conversation, right? And we live in a culture today where the church seems to have less and less and less of a voice, not because they don't want to listen to us, but because the church is actually seen as the enemy 
in a lot of these cultural conversations that are happening. And so you and I have got to learn to navigate that as followers of Jesus because we still hold good news. (laughs) The church is still the hope of the world through the message of Jesus Christ and salvation available in his name and his name alone. We got to learn to pivot and navigate to navigate a very, very messy, messy culture. So we're going to talk a little bit about vision and where we feel God's calling us as a church and some of the things that we're putting in place to help you grow in your faith to become more like Jesus. Not so that you can just attend church, but so that you can actually be the church where God has called you to be in your family, in your workplace, in your school, in your hobby groups, in your community to be the hands and feet of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit everywhere that he sends you. And then the week after that, we're going to be doing our fall series called Abide. We're going to be talking, getting deep, deep, deep into abiding in Christ. And I really want to encourage you to fully engage with that. So starting next week, we're going to have resources available. That's going to be like a Sunday morning message. Life groups are going to talk about this during the week. And we're also making daily devotionals available as well to really get deep into this conversation. What does it mean to abide in Jesus? What does it mean to actually hear the voice of God and then actually apply it and do what God is calling us to do as men, women, boys, and girls who bear his name? So I'm really, really excited to kick that series off. But today what I need to do as my cold is still lingering, thank you for those who've been praying for me, 12 days with a cold at the end of summer is not fun, but anyways, it is what it is. We're doing this series called Made for Monday, because that's been kind of our theme for the past year that we've been in. We've gone through many books of the Bible. We've gone through some deep, deep, deep theology over the last couple of years as a church. Like we've gone through Revelation. And the reason I went through Revelation is because I got tired of Christians asking me, is this, are we in the end times? And what about this? And what about this? Like, oh my goodness, read it for yourself. (laughs) Study it. Let me give you the tools so that you can actually read it and not freak out every time there's a news article. And this person's the Antichrist. And this person's the Antichrist. Calm down. You're scaring the children. Okay? But we got to learn to interpret this. We got to learn to study it. So we actually spent a lot of time doing that. And then we went through the book of Romans, like the deepest theological book of the New Testament. We've gone through things like Thessalonians and John's writings and all of these things. And the purpose of going through all of these books of the Bible is not to just fill your heads with theological doctrine, even though I'm a huge fan of theological doctrine. I think good, sound doctrine is incredibly important. But... If good, sound, biblical doctrine isn't changing your life, it's pointless. If your doctrine is making you crankier, it's not working. If your doctrine is pushing more and more and more people out of your life than bringing people into your life in Jesus' name, it's not working. If you are not bearing any kind of spiritual fruit, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, self-control, that's my favorite one that we like to ignore, (laughs) okay? If you're not growing in those things, your doctrine's not working. We might be learning the Bible, but we're not being changed. And that's why this series that we've been doing to finish off the the summer has been not to focus our lives about Sunday, because it's easy to do. So much of my life is based around Sunday because I kind of put a lot of effort into Sunday. 
In fact, it kind of, it's the running joke in my family. Like, I, I know what day of the week it is based on Sunday. When someone said, well, it's today the 28th. Yep, no, I know the date because of Sunday. Okay? And then I actually know because I take Sunday really, really seriously, I've got all the sermons planned until February. And people go, oh, my goodness, you're not listening to the Holy Spirit. No, I actually met with the Holy Spirit for like a weekend and fasted and prayed and was silent and then put this all together. And if he wants to change his mind, he can change his mind. I'll trust him to do that. But I put a lot of effort into Sunday. But at the end of the day, it's not about what we do on Sunday. It's about how you and I are living our lives on Monday. How are you living your life on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? There's six other days of the week. And when we gather in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, thanking God the Father for what he has done in our lives, in a spirit of truth, in a spirit of humility, in a spirit of trusting that God still speaks to his church, we leave transformed in order to deal with Monday and the rest of the week. So we've been looking at different topics throughout this series. We talked about how serving is greater than being served. So often in modern day Christianity, we view the church as what I get from it. What do I get? Do I like the programs? Do I like what they offer? And we take our faith in Jesus and it becomes like the spiritual wares. That's all about me and what I get from it. But every single one of us is called to be a servant to be a part of the body of Christ, blessing and serving one another. And we talked about we serve the one who makes the best choices for our life, that we worship Jesus, this great king, and we trust that we, as we serve him, it's going to change our lives. We talked about dealing with our competitors out in the world, whether that's in business or just in life, and that how God, will, how God overcomes his competitors with his goodness. That one really spoke to me personally as I reminded that God first had to conquer me in my sin and in my pride and in my arrogance and in my boastfulness. And God's goodness defeated my sin. So then we respond in that. And then last week we saw how God is God constantly shows that he is a trustworthy boss. If you do not know the God who is. You will make up for yourself the God you want. And we do it all the time. Well, I don't like this part about God. I don't like what the Bible says about this topic. I don't, I don't like this. So I, I'm just going to form God. I'm going to take the 90% of God that I like and then tweak the 10% that I don't like. And when we do that, again, we make God into our own image. And we trust ourselves. And we trust our own interpretation of God, the God we want, instead of getting to know the God who is and learning to trust the God who is because he's completely trustworthy. And so today we're going to wrap this series up. We're going to go through a passage from Acts chapter 18. So if you have a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to grab your Bible and you can follow along. If you use the YouVersion Bible app, there's a little feature in there called events. And if you click the event tab, you'll find Greenbelt Church there, and you can find this, the full sermon outline there. I always love it when, we, when people use that because you know exactly how much longer I'm going to be. And I can tell you know exactly how much longer I'm going to be, and I know you know when I'm on a rabbit trail because you're sitting there, flip, I see you flipping through your phone going, I don't see that point here on the outline. 
Where is he going with this? I do that so you lean in and pay attention, okay? So Acts chapter 18 is what we're going to do. And, and kind of the idea I want you to think about is this. Have you ever given in to pressure? Now, this could be whatever it is for you, whether it's in school, right? And you were a kid, and, and and all the other all the other kids were into Star Trek, but you were into Star Wars. And so in order to be cool like all the other kids, you gave up your first love of Star Wars and pretended to be a trekker. <laughs> or maybe you got wasted and did drugs. I'm not saying what I'm not judging, you know, depending on what crowd you were in, okay? Uh, or maybe you worked for a company, or you still work for a company. And they're okay lying to your clients where you know it's going to take you six months to accomplish this job. And the salesman is saying, no, we'll never get the contract if you actually tell them what it will cost. So you need to tell them it's three months. And you need to play the game. Have you ever felt pressure just when you're sitting by yourself doing your income tax? I'm sure nobody here has ever struggled with this. I love doing my income tax with, an, with a software tool instead of a pen and uh, sorry, pencil and eraser because I can see what happens when I add a zero at the end of a number. It's like, what if I actually put more money into my retirement? What if I actually would have given more money to charity? Would it make a difference? And then I can put in, what if I gave an extra $1,000 to the church? And then you watch the little green bar go up a little higher of the money you're going to get back. Any? No, don't raise your hand on that one. Okay? You and I are constantly under pressure to live away in opposition to the way God wants you to live as his children. Whether it's at work. And you know what? I've come to realize in all the years of kind of ministry that I've been a part, Christian ministries aren't exempt from this all the time. Okay? Whether it's at work, whether it's in nonprofit, whether it's in church, whether it's in your relationships, whether it's at school, you and I will constantly face pressure to live a way that's different than the way God calls us to live as his children. And so I'm going to read a passage, and it's going to seem a little wonky. You might be wondering why I I picked this passage. But what I want us to see in this passage is the faith of the Apostle Paul. And I want you to see how the Apostle Paul is responding to the pressure that he is facing trying to live out the call that God has called him to fulfill. Now, this isn't going to be a direct correlation like, oh, well, Paul did this, so I'm going to do exactly what Paul did. We're going to look at the principles of what we see at play here with Paul's faith and his relationship with God to deal with pressure so that you and I can then take a look at our own faith, our own walk with Jesus, And then we can ask ourselves, do I see those principles at work in my own life? Do I see the negatives? Do I see the positives? And then we can actually spend some time as we worship and as we pray going, God, what do you want to do with these principles to help me deal with the pressure I need to face tomorrow? 
or this afternoon on the volleyball court when I spike it at you. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know how to do that. Okay. But let me read here from Acts chapter 18. I'm going to start to read in verse 5. Verses 1 to 4 just talks about how Paul has left Greece. He's left Athens, and now he's made his way to the city of Corinth. If you're not familiar with the city of Corinth, you can realize that the church in Corinth was a mess. It was a real mess. We got two letters in the New Testament, First and Second Corinthians, that show just all the problems that were going on in Corinth. Excuse me, let me start reading here in verse 5. So it says, So when Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to, to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest, and he said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And then Paul left the synagogue and he went next door to the house of, to the house of Titius Justice. A, a leader and his entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. And then one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. And so Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. When Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews of Corinth made a unique attack on Paul and brought him to the place of judgment. This man, they charged, is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. And just as Paul was about to speak, Gallio said to them, well, if you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or a serious crime, it'd be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names and your own law, settle the matter yourselves. I will not be a judge of such things. And so he drove them off. And then the crowd there turned on Phocines, the synagogue leader, and they beat him in front of the proconsul. And Gallio showed no concern whatsoever. I love how this ends. It kind of just shows kind of like the, the beauty of religious people. <laughs> just smacking each other around and beating each other up <laughs> because we didn't like what they did. We didn't like how they responded. I didn't get my way. <laughs> That's a little sidebar <laughs> note. <laughs> you see, religion has a way, if we're not careful, of making us cruel to people who aren't doing the religion the way I am. And we got to be mindful of that principle at play. Yeah, because the church today, how many of you, like, you know, in the last little while, you've actually visited a church not here? Oh, you should do it more often. I mean, I love when you come. God, absolutely. But I actually, I think it's very, very healthy to real, like when you're on vacation. One of the things I do every time I'm on vacation is I go attend a church wherever I'm at. And suddenly you have different styles of music, different styles of preaching. The people look different. People behave different and all of these kind of things. And then I'm kind of reminded, oh, oh yeah, the way I love things 
and the way I work really, really hard to have things done a certain way, not everyone agrees with me. And it's a nice humbling spot to find ourselves in, <laughs> right? And so it's a little sidebar here at the end of this text. But what I want us to see from this text is how God speaks to Paul in his circumstance. See, because I believe that God speaks into every day of the week. That God doesn't just speak on Sunday, whether it's through a song or through a sermon, but God speaks. God wants to speak to every day of your week. And what that actually implies is is that God wants to speak to every situation of your every day. Now, I've shared this before. I'm not the type of guy who wakes up in the morning and prays, Lord, which socks should I wear today? I'm not that guy. But if you are, that's okay. (laughs) Because maybe you're going to wear these really cool Superman socks and it's going to start a conversation with someone and lead them to Jesus. I don't know what God's doing in your life. (laughs) But I do know that God is a God who knows the tiniest details of your life. And that God is a God who speaks into every aspect of our lives. And so you and I need to learn to hear. We need to learn to listen. And that's why we're going to do this Abide series for several months to help disciple all of us into hearing and discerning and obeying the voice of God. But I want us to look at some of the principles of God speaking into Paul's circumstances here. So three sets of principles that I want us to look at and encourage if you want to jot these down so you can talk about them as a family or talk about them when your life group starts up or even just to pray during the week. I encourage you to do that. Uh, the, The first principle is this that we see at play in this passage. It's the idea of ministry and evangelism. Ministry and evangelism. The verses five to six here of Acts chapter eight shows us Paul's ministry. Again, just as a reminder, or just in case you're not familiar with the the details of who Paul is, see, Paul was a Jewish religious leader. And Paul began his journey with Christianity um, as an enemy of Christianity. He hated the message of Jesus. He hated the message of the church. Why? Because it was messing up his religion. (laughs) It was messing up his religious tradition. He was a zealot when it came to keeping the laws and the commandments and the tradition of the elders. He he refers to himself as a Pharisee of Pharisees. So not only was he this great religious leader, he's the best of them. And we see early on when Paul has his first encounter with followers of the way, people who are following Jesus, he's right there at the very first execution of a Christian. And he allows it to happen as a community leader. Just get rid of these Christians. They're wrecking my religion. And then he has a supernatural encounter with Jesus. He has a supernatural encounter with Jesus on the way to go arrest more Christians. And Jesus comes to him and says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? When the church is being persecuted, the name of Jesus is being persecuted. They don't hate you. They hate Jesus. They don't hate you. They hate Jesus. 
And then Paul has this supernatural encounter, and then he becomes this apostle. And Paul's heart, his desire is for his people, that the people of Israel would come to know and believe what he believes. His deepest desire is that the Jewish people would come to believe in Jesus. Right? And we can actually see his heart for his people in Romans chapter 9, verses 3 to 4, where Paul writes these words. He says, For I wish, uh, sorry, so, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Paul, in his desperation to see evangelism happen in his ministry, says, if, man, if God would just curse me and take Jesus away from me, if I could spend all eternity separated from a holy, loving God, and all of them would come to know Jesus, it's worth it. See, when you and I come to church for what we get from it, and I'm going to speak a little profit right now, we should be embarrassed about that. It should embarrass us when our heart about the things of God is what I get from it. Because the heart of this apostle who wrote most of your New Testament was, I'd rather be in hell for all eternity as long as other people know Jesus. That breaks my heart. That breaks my heart. That that is who Paul is. And so Paul has this notion that ministry is evangelism. See, so often we wrestle in the church, well, we're about discipleship here, and we just want people to grow and get deeper in their faith. Discipleship that does not lead to evangelism is not biblical. Discipleship that's just about feeding Christians, entertaining Christians, us just doing our own thing. And it leads nobody to Jesus, including our own children. It's meaningless. But ministry and evangelism constantly go together, right? That's Paul's heart. And so when he is listening to the voice of God, he's listening for that. God, how do I do this ministry that leads to transformation? We see this in verses 5 and 6, that he's got this incredible heart for his people. He would constantly go to the synagogues and preach Jesus there. But the people became abusive. The people became abusive. And then we see here, he does something, and you might think this is a little weird. In verse 6, it says he shook out his clothes in protest. But what he's doing, he's actually being obedient to what Jesus taught. Where Jesus said um, in Matthew chapter 10, he says, If anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, just shake off the dust from your feet and you leave that house or the town. You just leave them to God. Leave him to God. But that doesn't stop Paul's desire for them. Right? And so, so Paul, deep desire for his people, but then he goes, you know what? I'm just going to focus on the Gentiles for now. See, what he wanted, he's dealing with problems. He's dealing with persecution. He's dealing with pressure from the culture around him. And then his response and the pressure is to, 
go back and listen to God. And God gives him a vision. Jesus speaks to him and he says, do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you. And no one is going to attack or harm you. Because I have many people in this city. Don't be afraid. Don't stop talking. Don't stop sharing your faith. Don't stop believing. That's the voice of God constantly in Paul's life. That there might be pressure. There might be persecution. You might be tired. You might need a vacation. You might want a break. I just want to break. God, just ease up a little bit so I can rest and recharge. But as we listen to the voice of God, we see that our lives as followers of Jesus are constantly about ministry and evangelism. I think I might have shared this story before. I can't remember. But one of the things that several years ago, it's probably going back about 10, well, even longer, maybe about 15 years ago, I, I, I was like this close to like burning out in ministry. Like I was new to ministry. Uh, I, I had all these dreams and these hopes and aspirations of what it was going to be like to be a pastor. And <laughs> yeah, it's not the same. I read all these beautiful books by Eugene Peterson. They call me pastor. And it was like so lovely and beautiful. No one taught me about running a deacon's meeting or an elder's meeting or trying to budget a balance, a bu- balance a budget or dealing with spiritual warfare or attacks or people calling you a heretic, everyone telling you how much they hate you and all these wonderful things that just come with the, t- the title of shepherd of God's people. I'm not saying that to complain. And that's not this church. Praise be to God. But about 15 years ago, I was kind of done. And we were on vacation and I desperately just wanted a break. My kids were little. We were rented a cottage and I found a church to go to because I do. I like to go to church on Sunday, even on vacation and um, found a church and I wanted to sit in the back row. So we sat in the back row and, it, you know, it was very traditional worship style. We sang a bunch of hymns. It was really nice. And, then, and this church did something that the introvert in me was like, what are you doing? They did about five songs at the beginning of the service. And then they took a 30-minute break between the music and the sermon to socialize. Go meet someone you don't know. It's a small little country church of about 32 people. Danielle? Myself, Cameron, and Samantha are the only people people don't know. (laughs) And there's a lineup of people to talk to us for the next 30 minutes. And if you're a guest with us today, that's why I don't make you stand up. It's why, like, it's like over my dead body, am I making the new person stand up and introduce themselves? (laughs) Okay, it's not going to (laughs) happen. And I was like, God, just get me out of here. I need a break. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. And then the pastor's wife came over to us. It's like, oh, you guys knew are you here on vacation? And then we said that we're pastors of a small church in the Waterloo region. And right away, this woman began to cry. She was, my husband and I are so hurting. And we're so lonely. No one reaches out to us and helps us here. And then I went back to my cabin and I locked myself in the room. And Danielle's like, we should call them and we should take them out. But I'm tired. I'm on vacation. And then I was reminded that there's no, there's no vacation from God. There's no vacation from how God wants to use you to bless other people. 
We're not on break, even though ministry slows down in the summertime. See, God is constantly speaking. And God constantly wants to use you and me to bring hope to people and life to people and joy to people and to point people, whether to point them to Jesus, whether it's because they need to accept Jesus as Savior or like this pastor couple that we got together with, they just needed to know that they're doing a great job and that God loves them and that they're faithful. They just needed that reminder. You see, when you are listening to the Spirit of God talking from a concept of ministry and evangelism, God's always going to speak. Always, always. I firmly believe he will always speak because there is always someone at your office who needs a touch of the love of God. And if you can honestly come to me and say, yeah, no, pastor, you're wrong. Nobody in my office needs the love of God. You're not listening. (laughs) Okay. Someone needs a touch of God. Whether it's in word, whether it's in deed. But we need to be listening for that. We need to be listening for that. So ministry, evangelism, we see this constantly play out in the life of Paul, even with the persecution, even with the pressure that he's dealing with. The other thing that we see in this, the, the, the principle that we see at play here is how we respond to conflict and opposition. How do we as followers of Jesus who are trusting in the voice of God to lead us and to guide us, how do we deal with conflict and opposition, right? Verses 12 to 14 kind of unpacks that and shows how Paul is dealing with this, right? Paul has opponents, right? And his opponents are unable to hinder the successful moving of the gospel in the city of Corinth, They are desperately trying to stop it from happening and they can't stop it because it is the power of God at work through his church, right? And they're trying. So they're going, we're going to use whatever means necessary to stop this successful transformation of Judaism into something else. And so they arrest Paul. They bring him before the leaders of Corinth, the Roman leaders, Going, well, hey, we got Jesus executed with the Roman leaders. Maybe we can get this guy executed. Now, the text doesn't say that. But there's a track record of executing the followers of the way. They want Paul done. They want him stopped. But we see Paul's response. He's obedient to the teachings of Jesus. When people are opposed to him, I'm just not going to worry about them. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to pick a fight. I'm not going to open an anonymous Twitter account and start blasting people. I'm not going to keep fighting and fighting and arguing and debating and getting madder and madder. It's like, I just need to take a step back. I need to regroup. I need to refocus. And I need to listen to what God is saying. So these people are so mad at me over here and these people are welcoming, welcoming, welcoming me over here. Let me go bring Jesus over here. Right? I think one of the ways that one of the best ways that we can deal with conflict and opposition is stop picking a fight where we don't see God working. Like, do you have somebody in your life that you desperately wish they would come to know Jesus? And it's just like a fight every time you talk to them about things of faith. 
Yeah, I have them too. They were all like, hands, hallelujah. And they're sitting right beside me. No, don't make eye contact. Okay. But we all have pressure. But you know what? God's actually working in the life of somebody in your life right now. But we're so obsessed on, we got to see this person saved. I got to save this one and gosh darn it. I'm going to like get smarter and I'm going to like study my scriptures and I'm going to like take apologetic courses and I'm going to make them believe. (laughs) And yet this person right over here who you don't even notice desperately needs to know Jesus. So we need to take a step back and trust God works in the conflict. God works in the opposition. But a lot of times what we see in the New Testament, in the ministry of Paul, is every time there's conflict and opposition, it's to send Paul somewhere else where there will be fruit. (laughs) Happens all the time. Study it. Watch the ministry of Paul. He wants to go over here, can't go there, ends up over here, plants a whole bunch of churches. He wants to see these people saved, can't do it. God sends them over there. You and I are here as Gentiles, (laughs) okay? It's how God works. We just have to be open and listen to what God wants to do in conflict and opposition. I love how Titus chapter 2 speaks to this theme as well. It says, show yourself in all respect to be a model of good works, and in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. You see, living out our faith, whether it's at work or at school or family, we are going to meet opposition. You will. I'd love to say you won't, but we will. Right? You're going to meet those oppositions. You're going to receive hostility for people who have a different belief than you, a different interest than you. Not everyone is going to be excited about your faith in Jesus. I mean, I, we all pray for that day. I just wish someone would come up to me and just ask me, hey, Kevin, how can I accept the Lord and get saved today? I've been walking with Jesus for like almost 30 years. No one has ever asked me that question. Now, some of you, maybe God has, and praise be to God for that. But it's been through how we live our lives. Day in, day out, not being afraid to speak up, to say what I believe. And if you know me, I say what I believe. (laughs) But with gentleness and peace and love, so that no one can say anything bad about us (laughs) as a church, as people. This is kind of living out our faith in conflict, in opposition, right? And again, when we are listening to God, listening to the Holy Spirit, like Jesus promises us that he'll guide us in this. Like in Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12, Jesus says, when you're brought before the synagogue, the rulers and the authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. See, that Luke chapter 12 verse, we actually see Paul living this out here in Acts 18. Like, Luke, go, uh, sorry, not Luke, Paul goes before the proconsul in the city of Corinth and he's ready to defend himself. He's like, just about to. And then the guy speaks and says, yeah, no, throw this out. I don't need it. We're done. Don't even need to do anything. And Paul's like, yeah, but I had this great three point message that I wanted to share and I was going to convince all of you. God's at work 
in the conflict. Okay? We've got to trust that we're listening to God in that. And then the final point is this. This final idea is that as we trust God, as we listen to God to deal with the pressures that we face, that God provides providence and protection. Right, throughout this passage of Acts chapter 18 and throughout the entirety of Paul's ministry, we can see God's providence and God's protection as he goes where God tells him to go, as he does what God tells him to do, as he says what God tells him to say. When he deviates, it gets a little messy, right? Despite the challenges and the opposition that Paul faces, the Lord is with him. Again, I love the words of Jesus here in, in chapter 9, uh, sorry, verse 9 and verse 10 of eight, uh, Acts 18. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I'm with you. And no one's going to attack or harm you because I have many people in this city. You see, Paul ended up spending a year and a half in a city that opposed him, that wanted him gone. And we saw churches started and leaders developed and more and more and more people came to faith in Jesus. We live in a city. But come on, let's be honest. There'd be some people probably who would kind of be happy. If the church didn't exist anymore, there are. You and I, we will not be afraid. We'll keep on speaking. We won't be silent. For God is with you. You need to believe that. You need to trust that. You need to lean into that. Right? I love Romans chapter 11, verse 36, when you want to just remember the greatness of God's majesty and power. Romans 11:36 says, For from him and through him and for him are all things. Let me say that again. For from him and through him and for him are, uh, are all things things, including you, including me, including your family, including your career, including your hobby, including your garden, including your dog, including all the things that we do in this life. They came from him. They came through him and they are for him. They're not for you. And so we lean into that because God has placed you right where he wants you to be. And it doesn't mean it's always easy. It doesn't mean it's always fun. It doesn't always mean it's simple. But God has placed you exactly where he wants you to be. Because God wants to speak into that every day of your week. God wants to speak into every situation that you find yourself dealing with. You and I just need to respond. When we pray things like, speak, Lord, I'm listening. It's great that we're listening. Now we need to roll up our sleeves and get doing. And I hope and I pray as we do that as a church family together today, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and for the remainder of the fall season and into 2024, 
We will be men, women, boys, and girls who are trusting that God is speaking into every day of our week. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I praise you for your word. I praise you for how you speak in and through your word. And Lord, I pray that your word today would bear much fruit, that it wouldn't be a word of condemnation or guilt, even though I realized there was a bit of a prophet edge. So Lord, if I deviated, forgive me. But Lord, I trust that you want to move in your church. God, I believe, I believe to the core of my being that you are saving more and more people. That you want more and more people to know the amazing son of God. That you want to set more and more people free from their sin. You want to set more and more people free from the lies of darkness that keep them in bondage and slavery. And God, I believe that you want to use your church to do that. Not just one person, not just six people, but all of us who have put our faith in Jesus. We all play a role in the mission that you have for the church whether that's by volunteering in an area, whether that's by contributing financially, whether that's praying, whether that's being an encouragement to people. God, whatever it is, we all play a role. And you do that role on Sunday, but you also do it all week long. God, we are still doing ministry and evangelism at our work on Monday. Lord, we're going to deal with conflict and opposition at work, and we're going to trust that you're going to work in it. And Lord, there's going to be persecution. There's going to be trials. There's going to be different things that we got to deal with, Lord. But God, we know that you're going to be protecting us. And that your providence, your will, will be done. In our workplace. In our school. So Lord, help us all to trust that more and more. And just as we continue with this kind of posture of prayer, and maybe someone's here today, maybe you're joining us online, and this idea of this kind of a God that would love you so much, that's not about keeping all the rules and traditions, but it's about the fact that Jesus died for you. Maybe today your first step, your first response in a message like this is to say, you know, I may not fully understand this, but this is, this is a different. I, I, I was raised to believe that God hated me. I was raised personally because I wasn't very obedient as a small child. I struggled keeping the rules. And when I couldn't keep the rules, I was told that God must hate you. Keep the rules, then God loves you. But the beauty of this message that we proclaim is that God loves you. And it's not about keeping rules, but it's the fact that Jesus died for you. And you can be washed away, uh, washed all of your sin, washed away, not by keeping rules, but by surrendering your heart to the one and only son of God. And that's what I did like over 25 years ago, not fully grasping what that entailed, but just believing that truth. So maybe you're here today. Maybe you're joining us online. I just encourage you to pray in your own heart, something like this. Father, forgive me for my sin that keeps me far from you. God, today, I welcome your love into my life. God, grow that love. Show me that love through your church. And Lord, help me to trust you as I leave this place and step into my Monday.
I pray this in Jesus' name. If you pray that way this morning, come and tell me after the service. Church online, click the button. And as for the rest of us, as we continue to worship, let's just ask that God would continue to speak and that we would listen to how he's guiding us. So let's worship him.